Podtacular, the unofficial Halo Universe podcast presents episode 822, Last Tower Standing, recorded live on May 19th, 2022. Hello everyone, welcome to Pod Tackler, the unofficial Halo Universe podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Duststorm. I'm your co-host, Godzilla T. And we are back after taking a little bit of a hiatus because I was completely wiped last week. But we are behind the microphones once again to talk about some further updates to Season 2. And mm-hmm. to also talk about uh, the next couple of missions from the campaign that we've neglected to talk about for quite a few weeks after our first one uh we've got a little bit to uh, go over from the community side of things we have the completion of the halo tv series which neither gtri have watched but now since it's done now we'll binge it and watch it and either next week or the week after we'll give our opinion well we still have to oh, i, are, I already have some opinions on it have you binged it already even with the last episode today maybe 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 I, I still haven't watched any of it yet. I haven't redeemed my Paramount Plus code yet. So I'm assuming at some point this weekend, I'll probably try to watch it with Melissa and try to get everything watched by next Thursday so we can talk about it. Um, if we don't talk about it next week, we will definitely talk about it the week after for the TV show. Well, if we're going to so, talk about the TV show, it's all it's going to be an all one episode. So, Yeah. It'll be that's the whole episode will we, be talking the TV show. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of why we waited. Yeah, we watched the free episode that they released for a week on Paramount YouTube channel. And that's yeah. the only one we've talked about. I've seen lots of tweets and whatnot. Sorry, the Marcus Leto tweet from today. Yeah. His take Next. on it. Yeah. His take on it was it's all right, but not Halo. Not the Halo universe, which kind of makes sense. Well, it is. Is it canonical? No. But it is a Halo story. And my internet's going crazy, and I'm dropping frames like crazy. Thank you, Ryzen. You really haven't had problems before, but ever since I've been streaming for the last couple weeks, I've been dropping frames like crazy. So... Yeah, and you know the funny thing is, is when I stream on the Podtacular channel, I have zero drop drop frames, but when I stream on my own, I have so many drop frames. Really? Yeah, I actually have to. I have to actually back down the video quality to stream on my own channel, and I know some of it is what I push to Twitch. I know I can't push as much to Twitch because I'm not partnered. Actually, that doesn't matter. The only thing that partner gives you is people watching can view at multiple resolutions. Right. But I, I can't push at full bitrate or people can't watch me because they can't change resolutions. Right. So I have to back that down. I duplicated the Podtacular streaming settings and just used my account and it just will not 
be it's just not a stable stream and i don't know why hmm yeah everything's I'll- identical the only thing that's different is the login versus Potacular's login or my login that's the only difference yeah weird isn't it well i can't even log into my router right now so something's definitely going on but we'll be recording this don't know what the stability of the stream is going to be like but yeah i guess we'll see what happens <laughs> anyways uh so let's talk about our community little roundup that we normally do uh as we talked about last week we took off for the podcast because i was not feeling great so we just played some Halo, played some Big Team, and some other stuff for Thursday. And then we actually played a little bit of a different game on Friday. Fragment Friday. We did. We did. Didn't we play Halo 5? Didn't we? Because yes. we did Husky Raid actually. and Super Fiesta <laughs> yeah. and got our butts kicked most of the time. Yeah, the, yeah, it's definitely you can definitely tell the population has dropped in Halo 5 because all the tryhards are in there now. <laughs> Oh my gosh. It was still it was still a nice change. It was frustrating, but it was still a nice change. It was sweaty. Every husky raid was sweaty. Super Fiesta was a little bit more even keel, but Husky Raid on the Super Fiesta playlist in Halo 5. Wow, we got our butts kicked. Well, S- Super Fiesta game types are always more sweaty than just regular game types because you're you're fighting the cha- the random chance of getting the weapon. I mean, random chance is one thing, but I remember previous game nights where we've done Super Fiesta, and it hasn't been that bad. Or maybe my skill is just getting worse. <laughs> well, that's probably it too. I know mine did, but we I, all of us were getting pretty crap loadouts. You know, I can probably count on both my hands the times that I actually got a good weapon. Even when we got good weapons, though, we would just get sniped in our spawn. Well, yeah, because they got the advantage to begin with. People had, you know, our starting spawns were, you know, we just had crappy weapons. I did go on a nice sniping spree, though. That's good. We won that game. Anyway, <laughs> I'm not saying it was because of me. I just, just, you know. I got you. I got you. Just saying. <laughs> yep. But yeah, it was fun. It was nice to play some Halo 5 for a change. We hadn't done that, what, in a couple of months, I think? Oh, it's been about a month. Okay. Roughly. If you all want to participate tomorrow, make sure you jump on over to our Discord, pottagalwood.com slash Discord, and vote for which game you want to play, Halo 5, MCC, or Halo Infinite. And we'll get to running that here pretty pretty soon. Uh, for a cheating Halo, we did some more Halo 5 campaign with Prestige and Bobby. We managed to get through the Battle of Sunion mission and attempted to do the achievement where you try to entice the hunters off the ledge. That didn't go very well. Yeah, that's kind of a pain in the butt achievement. It's almost worse than the... I don't know which is worse. That one or we're trying to backsmack the Elite on Halo Reach? I don't know. I got about a, about the same amount of time invested in both. <laughs> uh, honestly, the... I think that one, I really don't know which one... Which difficulty it's easier on. On the higher difficulties, the hunters are more aggressive, but they're also more deadly. 
Right. So they're more easily enticed off the edge. The lower difficulties, they don't do as much damage, but they're also less aggressive. So, yeah, it's a it's an unfortunate trade off, basically. <laughs> I think I finally wound up doing it on heroic. Okay. For my own account, uh, when we were playing, I had uh, we were on heroic um, when we actually played the mission, and it w- it still took some time to really get them to really get it to where you could either knock them off or get them to step off. Hmm. Okay. There was a lot of wipes. I don't remember doing it, honestly. I don't remember if I did it in co-op or if I did it solo. I just know I did because I've got the achievement unlocked. But we spent about, I think, 10 minutes before we kind of gave up and said, eh, we can do it later. Yes. Yeah, that's one of those you can do it separately or together. Just if you're doing it by yourself, make sure you send your AI to the other end of the map because they'll distract the hunters from standing near the edge. Yep. You want the least amount of distraction as possible. Do we spend 20 minutes? Wow. Okay. Well, we still got through another section of it. We've got about a third of the campaign left to go. Actually, uh, yeah, a little, actually a little less than third. But Hopefully next Sunday we'll be able to finish everything with the Halo 5 campaign uh, run through for Prestige. And then he's got to go and do Legendary on his own because there's that achievement for Halo 5. Mm -hmm. But this Sunday will probably be the last Sunday for achieving Halo before I change it to a different day. It's looking like either Mondays or Tuesdays will probably be my achieving Halo day. Uh, so I got to figure that out, but that'll be after this next week. Uh, so yeah. On the community side of things, uh, not too many updates to talk about. Uh, we had a couple of clips I think people posted. i go into the Discord and check now. Let's see. Uh, oh, I thought there was. There's no new clips. So nothing new from the community over the last week. But yeah, so this... This Sunday prestige will be the last Sunday for Sunday Achieving Halo. All right, uh, moving on, let's talk about some of the new changes to Season 2. So given some of the community feedback and outlash from what was changed in campaign and multiplayer for skill jumps, 343 is caving to community pressure and putting things back in. Well, most things. Some things. Some things. Not all. There's a caveat there. Yeah. Not everything. They are they are bringing back the tank gun, which I still think they should have just left it out. Don't get me wrong. It's a lot of fun, and I'm using it right now in a legendary run on uh, Infinite, but it really does break campaign. You, the invincibility glitch and jacking pelicans will most likely not be returning because they break co-op. So a lot of things they fixed in campaign were related to um, making the game stable enough for co-op. And honestly, one hitting Eshram on Lasso <laughs> with the take gun. That's there, funny. Uh, you know, honestly, I played through the Lasso campaign on Infinite. And it was the least satisfying 
of all of the lasso missions I've run. Oh, I'm I'm sure it's I probably mean, the easiest one that you can you can yeah. do. All the missions that I've run on Lasso, and, you know, and that I've struggled to complete. Now, granted, there are some missions I haven't even done yet. There was a deep satisfaction in completing that. Completing Infinite on Lasso was a joke. I mean, it and wasn't me. It wasn't a cakewalk, but it certainly wasn't nearly as hard as other any other Lazo for Halo. It wasn't even close to any other Lazo. <laughs> I'm not joking. No, no, no I, I get it. So I think, I mean, even without the tank gun, the skulls with the bandana skull definitely helps you a yeah. lot. Now the bandana skull, it kind of makes the famine skull pointless. It does, and that was that's part of the Halo experience doing mythic difficulty, right? Doing so, only the difficulty multipliers, right? In case people did not know what the mythic difficulty is well you know mythic is traditionally been last lazo uh you know all skulls on but in previous games all skulls on it was a major setback for you as the player you had to you had to really change the way you played the game you really had to manage your am- ammo you had to manage your grenades you had to be be aware of your health, and this just kind of, you know. So, yeah. I'm glad to hear that a lot of the things that they fixed that they corrected in campaign will stay corrected. Sure, the skill jumps in multiplayer, they should have never taken those out. I mean, they're skill jumps. Yeah. It's one thing if like everybody could get to it and it broke core gameplay running mm-hmm. for multiplayer, but I mean there there have been times in previous games where they've had to block a a hidey hole because it gives one team a distinct advantage. But the yeah. things that they passed out were not distinct advantages. They were advantages if you knew where they were there. Yeah. And but, but they they didn't make you invulnerable, right? They were just a they were just a cheat in movement, right? They're making some updates to the multiplayer stuff that they've talked about uh, next week. And he just put out a tweet saying all the stuff that they talked about last week in their Halo Infinite update is going to go into effect next week, so the week of the twenty first. Um, and I think they do the releases on Tuesday, which would put that actually it's the week of the twenty second, but that put on the twenty fourth when these will come out. So all all those jumps that they took out, or at least most of them, they're going to put back in. The weapon jamming issue, they've uh, seen this, they know it's an issue. They're looking to get that fixed in place so that doesn't happen. Also, the uh, grenade multi explosion. That's been an interesting little glitch to see happen on on streams and videos. Uh, there's more things coming for just overall health of the game, fixes for multiplayer, things spawning at the right time, earning the right things at the right time and at the right rates. So lots of little things that they're doing to fix the ongoing issues with Season 2 that came out and a few new things that they're introducing as far as just general 
life of the game enhancement. So that is our uh, initial mid-season, I guess, update for season two coming into place. Um, We've got a couple of new things for HCS coming in. So with the first world finals being completed, next up is the EU regional finals for this next round of competitive play. Uh, The EU regional finals is going to be at DreamHack Valencia. That's going to be taking place July 1st through the 3rd in Valencia, Spain. So I know there's a few European teams that come over and and battle out with the pros. Most of the time they they get knocked out pretty early on, but there are... I, I do think ACS is trying to give teams from other countries and other continents at least some not edge, but some experience to at least compete on the level that North American players have been playing at. And mm-hmm. I think that's almost why they did the boot camp for Kansas City. Almost as a way to get everyone familiar with kind of the level of play that's expected to be there. I'm hoping over time all that just balances out between the different regions and then we can actually have a true global fight back and forth. I think there's going to always be those few American teams that are just top notch and it's going to take a while for one of those to get really dethroned. But we've seen a couple of times where an EU team has gotten into a top four, Mm -hmm. I think a top four spot. So it'll be cool to see one of them get on the podium. I think once we get to that point and maybe we see two international teams in the top eight, then I think we'll be cooking for some international competitive play. So that's what I'm hoping for, at least. Uh, the prize pot's going to be a hundred grand, a hundred US grand, and then we've got the HCS Open Championship. That's going to be an online, uh, which will earn a trip to Orlando. Then there's the HCS Orlando Major, and then the Halo World Championship. That is going to be taking place in October, which I'm hoping to go there. I think Haas is planning to go there as well, along with several other. I know. Some podcasts are going. A lot of people are going to try to be there. So that'll be a big one to to attend. Of course, we've got a couple of things that we were going to talk about in the last podcast that we didn't get to. Going through the season two announcement and then the cannon fodder. The only thing I really wanted to bring up, and GT, I don't know if there was anything else you wanted to bring up, but the map breaker, the new multiplayer big TB map that got introduced, that is actually where we uh in the season two narrative picked up the banished AI. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah. So it all ties together. Yeah. I mean that's from the intro cutscene that they give you and they talk about a ship breaking yard and then all of a sudden Breaker shows up as a multiplayer map. I kinda assumed that. I didn't pick up on it until reading through the description of, of that in the Cannon Father. So <laughs> I guess oops on me for not picking up on that. So anyways, the only other thing is the uh, the next Troy Dending book, Halo Outcast, which was originally scheduled to be released in October 18th of this year, has been postponed to 2023. And for very good reason. So. Yeah, Troy Dending has some medical stuff going on which 
we hope he's recovering and, and doing well. It's been a little heartbreaking to see some of the stuff. If you've been following him on Twitter, you know some of the updates that have been going on. But yeah, he's been uh, going through a couple things. I think he's recovering, but it's going to take some time to get back behind the, the pen and paper and get that thing finished out. Yeah, he's got to get his uh, get his health taken care of first and foremost. Which is important. Mm-hmm. And then today we got a new community spotlight. Yeah. Lots of goodies. Lots of hand-drawn goodies mm-hmm. in this issue of the spotlight. I was trying to think of the word. I think that's what uh, I think she I think they were just going for that theme. That seemed to be the highlight for this time around. Mm -hmm. And the first one, we have actually got a series of drawings for Noble Team from Entrancing on Twitter. And it Mm -hmm. is just individual drawings of every single member of Noble Team from Halo Reach. And they are really good. Yes, they are. Incredible detail, shading, all done with, with pen and paper, which is just incredible. Mm-hmm. A few shout-outs to some of, uh, some of our regulars. We've got one from Noble of Death 16 from Kansas City, uh, a cosplay of a Mark V chief with some chest damage to the armor. And it's cool because the melt away on the chest actually looks like it has the circuitry on the inside under piece of the armor. So I thought that was a cool little detail to that cosplay. So there was that one. Uh, There's also ethereal EOD uh, doing a blender render. We've also got another one by lens of Cal in collaboration with more shots to do a, uh, I think this is a cosplay plus just visual lighting add-ons. Mm-hmm. And then was there one other one? No, that that was all the the ones that we've like from people that we've talked about a lot before. But there's some other great ones in here. There's a few in here uh, calling out to the new AI that was introduced, Iritus. So it was cool to see some of that art get introduced into the lineup. The other cool one I thought that was interesting is the little plastic bead art. Mm-hmm. That one was pretty cool. And thank you, Pens, for linking that. that. Any other ones for you? If you guys want to check this out, I definitely uh, definitely recommend you go check it out. It's a good one. <clears throat> Me, I kind of like the, the hand-painted needler to be game accurate. The Boomco needler. That one's near the bottom, right? Yeah, it's almost all the way to the bottom. But yeah, there's there's yep. lots of them in here. Um, you know, we've got a screenshot, looks like, from Halo 2? Or, no, this wasn't a screenshot. Uh, Is it a render? What was it? It was a uh, remake of an old pick from the cover of First Strike. Ah, I so, think I missed that one. Yeah. Uh, Chief of Two oh, okay. Marines. But, I see. I see where you could think it's Halo Two. It's definitely the Halo Two art style. Yeah, it's definitely got that blur look to it. But it's a good look. I mean, I like it. It's it's really well done. Yeah. But all in all, yeah, it's a it's a as always, they're good ones. 
and there's a few in here that's using the Mark Leto, uh Mark V armor that he posted. Mm-hmm. There's there's quite a few in here. Penn says he has to he has bias to the one by Justin Grosjean, which is chief holding uh, Cortana. Mm-hmm. Or I guess no, that might be the weapon. That might be the weapon, just based on the attire that's wearing. Yeah. But yeah, it's a really good, uh, really good one. Yeah, definitely check it out. So good spotlight. Good things to go and check out. Community is just amazing as always. Lots of cool artwork. Uh, a couple other things to talk about. We've got a couple of new playlist updates. We've got Rocket Race returning to MCC. So for people that want to hop onto mongooses and fire rockets at each other, that's back in MCC. Uh, we've also got a uh, update for Last Spartan Standing in Halo Infinite with the event now over. It is now available, that game mode, in all BTB maps. I played one on high power just before the podcast and managed to get fourth. Actually, it was a it was a pretty decent game. Yeah, I haven't touched it since last week. It feels better on different maps, <laughs> or maybe that's just because I'm more familiar with it. But it well, you're probably more familiar with the map. Yeah, but yeah, I'm I'm not a big Last Spartan standing. I'm not really an FFA person either. I'm trying to give I'm it an, the benefit of the doubt. I, because- I will play FFA, regular FFA. That is not anywhere near regular FFA. No, it's it's not. I mean, I'm just saying FFA by the term of it is every man for himself. Yeah. Just in general, I'm more of a... <laughs> I need the team play to really bounce off and help balance out my suckiness in Halo. I'll just say it that way. Because it's probably true. But... For last Spartan standing, it is a different strategy, different mindset, but just trying to give it the benefit of the doubt with, I'd like to see a battle royale. This kind of seems like it's iteration of it. If there's a last Spartan standing squads type of thing, that's going to be closely akin. It's so right now it's a mix of like battle royale, FFA and gun game. And Eric Ibu does not like losing in last Spartan standing. <laughs> Well, nobody likes losing. I've never been a big fan of that style of game anyway. So that's also contributes to my uncomfortableness playing it. Gotcha. Makes sense. Uh, We've also got a couple of new nameplates that were announced since our last podcast. During the month of May, you can earn the mental hairness, mental, what mental health. Wow. Mental Health Awareness nameplate and emblem for Infinite just by logging in. And you can also get the Asian and Pacific Islander Heritage Month nameplate and emblem as well just by logging into the game. There's also a few exclusives from the Halo TV series that's coming in as well. There is nameplates, emblems, and weapon charms from the TV series that you can get your uh, hands on by just logging in as well. So getting lots of freebies by just logging into the game right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then finally, we've got uh, something that's not quite Halo specific, but I saw it trending on Twitter, so I thought it would be interesting just to mention it. But 
Apparently, Xbox Series XS has outsold the PlayStation 5 2 to 1 in Japan last week. Wow. Yeah. So, it was trending on Twitter for some reason, so I thought it might be an interesting thing to to talk about. Maybe it's just because it's more available. I mean, some of the treats did say that is because Microsoft has been able to manage the chip shortage, so that that could be very well the case. So, yeah. Uh, Anyways, uh, that's the other little tidbits of news to talk about. And the only other thing that we have is... uh, Well, I can mention this. The first fracture entrenched event arrives next week for Season 2. And on to our main topic of the night. Our next installation of Talking About Campaign, which has been out for nearly six months now. (laughs) Yeah. Yay. Maybe we'll be done talking about the campaign by the time Campaign DLC comes out. Who knows? Never know. Never know. At that point, if they announce it, we'll basically have to (laughs) get through the rest of this. So the last point we left off was just after getting to Outpost Tremonius. And we had, we just went through the underbelly of Zeta Halo after getting off of Banished Ship, which I'm blanking on the name at the moment. But uh, we get our first glimpse at the uh, Silex that the... Endless. Uh, endless, yeah. Uh, I forget, I'm blanking on her name at the moment. The Endless One. Anyway. Yep. Yeah, I don't know that I actually know her name, but anyway. Um, I'm sure it's in there. I just don't remember it. <laughs> I'm drawing a blank at the moment, but so Harbinger ca- Harbinger. Thank you, Pens. Yes. And we get our first Spartan core, our first upgrade to the Spartan abilities. Yay. Upgrade. Yeah. So nice little, nice, nice, interesting mechanic to kind of add that progressively through the campaign. You know, honestly, the equipment, that they give you throughout the campaign. I like the way they did it. Yeah. It made sense. You know, that it makes you go, it makes you have to pay the campaign to be able to use all this. And I think that it was done very well. Yeah. Someone on Twitter, I think, or Reddit maybe. Oh no, it was actually, never mind. That's from a thing I can't talk about. Never mind. There was another system that apparently it was supposed to be at one point, but yeah, that is not something I can talk about. But yeah, the, as far as unlocking everything and being able to upgrade all the different armor abilities and kind of customize the way you want to play, definitely, <laughs> I, I feel like it was basically you're just kind of updating everything to get the latest and greatest thing because unlike other games where you have those skill trees and you basically have to spend points on certain things, uh, you could just unlock everything if you spent the time to go find all the Spartan cores. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't quite as impactful, I think, as some of those other games with those skill trees like Mass Effect, Borderlands, where you're strategically putting points into certain abilities that garner to your playstyle or a specific set of roles that you want to pursue as you're going through the the campaign experience, but. It was a nice way to upgrade everything as you went through the game. Yeah, I think a skill tree that of that style would really detract from Halo. Uh, I mean, with how 
they went with the open world concept in the campaign, I could I see mean, it working. As far as, I'm not saying it wouldn't work. I'm saying I think it would take away from the Halo experience. Halo's always had a very unique way of doing things. And I, I think having a skill tree would, to me, would distract from the, you know, the, I don't want to say this, the core Halo experience. So I think with how the campaign made you grab every piece of armor ability, mm-hmm. the trees would basically be wanting to upgrade certain characteristics of those. So you still would have access to all the armor abilities, but you would pick and choose which upgrades you want. Is the, the yeah, concept that I'm thinking of. Yeah, I I understand what you're after. Okay. I, or what you're trying to say. It's just, I don't think that would fit in a Halo game that well. Okay. I'm not saying it doesn't work. I'm not saying they couldn't have possibly gone that way, which they probably may have originally t- intended to go that way. Nobody knows. Well, there's people that know, but they're not talking. Uh, damn NDAs. Anyway, um, <laughs> there are... I just, that would really not make it feel like Halo to me. That'd make it feel more like other games that I don't enjoy playing. That's fair enough. You know, I I don't want to have to build my Spartan to do what I want to do. I just want to be able to do it. Okay. You know, I, I don't want to have to choose, well, do I want the upgraded battle, you know, grapple hook, or do I want the upgraded shields? I just, I I don't want to put that much thought into playing the campaign in Halo. Fair enough. I th- yeah, I think it'd be interesting. I don't know how it would work, but I think it'd be interesting. Yeah, I'm sure it'd be interesting. But I, it, I'm like I said, I'm just speaking from my own experience. I don't think that would make it enjoyable for me. And that's that's fair. Everyone has different preferences. Hmm. Which is not, like, you know, some people don't wrong with that. like Halo 3. And some people don't like Sprint. Those people are a little crazy, though. Um, anyways, <laughs> Eric Kibu said he's seen more and more people talk about how the open world detracted from the experience. I didn't think it detracted at it from all. I thought it really, for, for me personally, it just kind of helped enforce the grand scale of a ring and actually exploring it and experiencing it. Yeah, you, you spend more downtime looking for things and collectibles, but everything that we've read from the books of like how they how you would have to navigate through the ring and these environments, like, okay, you're mm-hmm. you're living that out now. Yeah, it's it's not a rail well, shooter honestly, anymore. Well, I mean it can be. It can no be. one says you have to no one says you have to explore the whole ring in yeah. one sitting. Um it's like me Right now, I'm I'm doing a legendary run, just recording it to post it up on my channel, and I'm I'm basically just I'm I'm not doing any of the side stuff, uh, you know. I'm not picking up any Spartan cores that aren't in the campaign missions, or you know, in an area that I'm normally at. Um, you know, I'm not picking up I'm not picking up any of the audio logs. I'm just playing the campaign, and other than travel time, which 
it would be nice if you could jump to each mission, but it's fine. Um, other than the travel time, it doesn't, to me, it really, it actually kind of enhances the notion of scale of how big this world really is. You know, you get that. It, it reminds me of that feeling when you first land on Halo in Halo CE, you walk out of this drop pod and here is this enormous world. And even back then I really wanted to explore more of the world than I got. And in that mission, it is like playing the infinite campaign. You have travel time between different objectives. Mm-hmm. So. I guess it's not for everybody. I, as a, as a Halo nerd, it's cool to have that open environment to explore mm-hmm. and, and go through. And I hope through campaign and other stuff, we get to see other parts of a Halo ring, get to see maybe a, a desert part or a snowy part or. Maybe a marshland. So yeah, I mean, time will tell. There's a lot of possibilities with this engine and yeah. everything that they like. You're talking in the chat. I, I do look forward to seeing other biomes. Mm-hmm. Which, given that the campaign is focused on this specific part of the ring, because this is where the whole Cortana story kind of envelops and finishes off, and. Mm-hmm. Chief and Eshram go at it. it. It makes sense. This that was the culmination. That was the purpose of this area. So I mean, everything played well together. At the very end of the game, you wind up in a desert area. That's true. Hinting at the fact that there's other pieces out there. Mm-hmm. And if I recall, so yeah, you might even be on a floating piece because if you look horizontally out, don't you see the broken part of the ring in the background? So you're actually on possibly on some piece that's floating. I, I think that there's been some people that have theorized about that and they're, I think the base, basically what that is, is just reused assets, just reshaded. Okay. So, you know, I honestly, I think you're just on a different part of the ring. So they just did that for flair in the background. It's not actually probably what's, well, I mean, that is what you're looking at is the broken section of the Halo ring. But, you know, there's people that have, they've dug into it and they, they found, they figured out that it's just, it's mainly just reuse assets with a little bit of different camera angle that, you know, they're trying to plot where the chief is in the Halo ring. And I just take it, honestly, I just take it for face value and it looks like he's just on the other side of the ring. Makes sense. But to get back to kind of timeline-wise where we're at, uh, in Outpost Harmonious, we kill a few grunts, and then we try to unlock the door to get out, and we get to actually learn of Eshram's name, or at least Chief does, because we mm-hmm. got to see all the press stuff beforehand. But it's where Eshram has another speech to the Chief, Eshram introduces himself to the chief. Yes. Saying that he knows who the chief is, but the chief doesn't know who Eshram is. Mm-hmm. How else would chief beg for mercy from Eshram? A little bit of foreshadowing. <laughs> yeah. I like how they directed the Eshram character. He, throughout the game, he all, he felt bigger than life. 
I mean, he, it really made me feel that he was going to be pain in a kill. Mm-hmm. Uh, even before I'd gone through that fight, just the, the dialogue, the passion, it, it really, it just really made, it really actually worried me about when I had to fight him. With Halo Wars 2 and Halo Infinite, 343 have made some of the best prote- or antagonists in the franchise. Mm-hmm. Halo, the Bungie Halos had kind of the political aspect of it with the prophets and whatnot. And it's a good, I mean, it's a good story, but <clears throat> the way they have used the Banish to drive this next narrative of the Halo franchise. Oh my gosh, 343 has done such a good good job with, with the Banished. Mm-hmm. They they have found a formula that works. Now the challenge is going to be using that formula effectively, but not mm-hmm. resting on it because I mean it can easily well, get stale. Also, also, the one thing I've noticed with Infinite, and this is the only game that's really given me this feeling, is the feeling of scale, of how big things really are in the Halo universe. Yet how small the small playing field we're on. Well, no, it's not really the environment. It's just like when you come up to an elite, you feel that height difference. Some more than others. Uh, When you come up to uh, like, you know, one of the brute chieftains, they feel like brute chieftains. Hmm. Unlike Tartarus, which he just was a, another brute with a hammer. I yeah, I know what you mean. It's it's hard to quantify that and describe it, but yeah, you're you're yeah. exactly right. It has a different. I mean, when you're fight, especially when you're fighting the bosses, they make you feel you know they show you the intimidation factor of these bosses. I don't know if it's just the art style or just the decorations that they've added to these characters that really showcase that, but there's something there and and you're right Mm -hmm. that makes these characters intimidating and and makes it when you're playing through these pieces. Oh, this is someone that is going to be difficult and hard to fight against. Yeah. And you know, and I said above and beyond having the health bar above their head. Right. It's really the detail they put into those characters and it, it's absolutely awesome. It, it you know, really I mean, is. even when you're fighting Tremonius, his scale, he feels threatening. Yeah. Eric Abu said, one of the one criticism people are confused about is the motivations and goals of the banished. And that hasn't been clear. I disagree with that. I, I think it's been really clear. I think it's been <laughs> very clear between what has been coming out with Halo 2 or Halo Wars 2 in infinite, I I think it's very clear. I mean, even even within just Halo Infinite, and I haven't read I haven't read the books, the the last six yeah. books too, and it seems very the, clear. Yeah, don't get me wrong. There there are hints to stuff that was put in the in the books, but it's not overwhelming. It's not like Halo Four where you're just totally confused. It's stuff that you're like it's stuff you can overlook if you haven't, you won't notice it if you haven't already read the book. 
to know that it came from outside the games. You know, for me, it's very clear after playing through the campaign what the banished motivations are and what they still are. So I, I, I actually rather enjoyed the story. Yeah. And there are some things that enhance it from the audio logs and some of the extra lore that you would get from the books and whatnot. But I mean, it's, it's pretty clear that for, I think the, the contained story in infinite, I mean, it's this ongoing battle of what happened after Halo five. Cortana basically tried to wipe anyone out who opposed her. And that's Mm -hmm. basically humanity turning on everyone else. And I'm sure there's probably humans out there that are siding with the banished and the banished are taking them. I, I don't doubt that's probably happening in some narrative piece of the world out there, but well, that's where your external fiction comes in. Yeah. And we won't see human banished in the game. Nope. Because they want to try to keep that teen rating. So you can't be fighting other humans. Well, there's other factors in that. Um, just the beliefs that Atriox has insti- instilled in the banished. Th- there's uh, reasoning know, behind. Well, yeah. To go on a little side story, uh, Atriox absolutely hates humanity. He does not trust humans. Any human he comes across, he has no problem killing them. He will use humans to activate forerunner objects and then kill them. They're nothing but toys to him. Or they're not even toys. They're lower than that. Uh, they are, they, they barely rate being tools. So yeah, even with the, you know, wanting to keep the teen rating, the story itself has pretty much said no to the humans in the banished thing, even leading up to the game. I guess the, where the confusion might be is the banished were anti-covenant because of the covenant banishing them. So trying to band together against the common enemy, that might be a piece of it. Well, it was, uh, that's what Atriox built the, the banished on to fight the covenant. He found he found other entities that, thought the same way he did about the covenant that didn't want to have anything part of it, any, you know, any part of it and where he couldn't find any, he bought them. Yeah. I think this is a, a whole nother conversation, Eric, that, that we could probably go into, but there, there are certainly reasons behind the banished, not trusting humanity. Mm-hmm. There, there's just past that they know from, human dealing with the covenant and how manipulative Oni is and just kind of the mindset of if humanity is that manipulative, then they can't be trusted period. So there, there, there are things out there that explain the modus behind the banish and, mm-hmm. and I mean the, the infinity is trying to oppose the banish doing what they want to do, which is control a halo ring. It's a fight for power. So yeah, they're going to be, trying to kill every last human that they can because every human that's there is trying to make sure the banish doesn't get control of what they want to get control of. <laughs> so anyways, 
once we get outside, we get to fight a whole bunch of enemies. Now, question for you. Did you go around and try to find all of the unlocks on your first go through? Or did you just run through? My first playthrough, I played the game. I just okay. played the campaign. I didn't go look for secret switches, uh, any compads I came across, or ones that you just run across when you're while you're playing the game. So you know, of course, I picked up all those, but I didn't go out of my way to look for anything. When I, you know, I wanted the story, and I have since found out that, and I'm still going through finding all the compads because I want to be able to listen to the entire stories from the compads that they did some really good work in those particular parts as far as storytelling and expanding on the infinite story. They, they really did. I think for the most part, the audio logs and everything and everything really just enhanced the game. Yes, they do. In that respect, I, like I said, I haven't listened to all of them, but what I've heard so far, it rivals the Sadie story in ODST. Except for here, they're telling multiple stories. Yep. And for all the stories that were told, I need to go back and listen to them and dissect them. I have listened to them all at least once, but mm-hmm. there's all the surrounding stories and we get multiple aspects of it. We get different stories from the UNSC side of things, from the Banish side of things, and we even got the Forerunner audio logs. Mm-hmm. Which Which are really creepy. Yeah. Yeah, there there's a there's a lot of people that have done Lord videos out there about those specific audio logs. I think Halo Cannon has one which I need to go watch at some point. Mm-hmm. But it, it's talking about the uh, them putting the or trying to stop the endless, mm-hmm. getting ahead <laughs> as we as we tend to do. We're obviously not doing everything canonical or timeline wise in our little campaign run throughs, but we just we're trying. Yeah, we, we this is so much to talk it's, about. It's it's a great campaign. It's one of my uh-huh. favorite campaigns from a Halo game so far. I think. Like, I don't know, this might be my favorite next to Halo 2 and Halo Wars 2, as far as narrative goes, and no DST. Like, those would be my top four it, narratives. It's a good narrative, yes. It is very good narrative. Halo Wars 2, Halo Infinite, ODST, and Halo 2. Those are four narratives that are hard to pick from. Mm-hmm. Really hard to pick from. But anyways, clearing out Outpost Tremonius, we get an opportunity to see the weapon do her work and start explaining the whole idea behind outposts and claiming different things. So kind of laying the groundwork for how we're actually going to interface with the rest of the world, which is kind of cool. I did not know about the tank gun until after the game came out. And after I had done several run throughs of the campaign, but found the rocket launcher by the Spartan Corps. I went around and tried to, on my first run through, I tried to find all the unlocks possible. (laughs) So I was one of those people. But overall, the availability of the weapons and the grenades and the, the way that you could kind of go and engage at your own pace. I thought that initial kind of encounter out on the open ring was 
was pretty well laid out. Wasn't too difficult, unless you're playing Legendary. But overall, the encounter was pretty good. Getting yeah, getting Cortana to the pedestal, clearing the fob. We get to see the pilot again and get was relaxed. He's really happy to be. He was really happy to be on the ground again. For until he saw the weapon, right? Mistaking for Cortana, and then there was the whole explanation of this ain't Cortana. This is a different AI, and the weapon goes to explain that she was designed to capture Cortana. And then there's the whole thing of, hey, we're staying here. There's another, there's a distress call. We need to go find it. And the pilot's like, really? We're going to be doing this? And reluctantly starts muttering in Spanish. (laughs) I thought that was an interesting touch. Yeah. I wonder if for Spanish subtitles, if it actually puts out what the pilot's muttering or... Like if for other languages in the game, does is it that same line of Spanish that's kind of muttered? <laughs> yeah, be interesting to figure out. So it'd be yeah. If anyone's figured that out or, or attempted to figure that out, let us know. So yeah, we fly off. We have a nice little chat with, well, a not chat with the weapon because. Chief doesn't like to answer questions that I guess he's not comfortable talking about. <laughs> well, it's it plays into the mistrust he has for AIs. Oh, sure. And that's he doesn't want to give her information that he doesn't have to. Right. So, you know, I can understand the reluctance to answer the questions that she's posing. No, I get it too. It's just a very like kind of is a odd, uncomfortable and it's supposed to be, but just the exchange between Chief and the weapon. Mm-hmm. She's answering asking questions. We're used to this open dialogue between Cortana and Chief. And now it's just deadpan. I'm only gonna answer the things that absolutely need answering, and that's it. Exactly. And throughout the game we we see that relationship change, so it's interesting to see how it starts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we uh, by and large, I mean, we don't k- technically see the beginning of when Chief knew the weapon, but the whole relationship building part, we see the, basically the start of that in the game. Because mm-hmm. I'm guessing at the first part of it, it was basically, okay, Chief is supposed to deliver this weapon, the weapon knows she's going to die, so it's kind of like, okay, here's the mission. But since the mission has changed, now that's when they're having to work together, they're starting to develop a rapport, Mm -hmm. that relationship building is going to need to happen. And we'll get to see that throughout the campaign develop and overall, it's, it's a really fascinating storyline to tell because chief had Cortana for the longest time and confided mm-hmm. in her. And then there's this replacement that doesn't, doesn't well, fit. He, you know, he has, he has this relationship with Cortano and then he, then she betrays him. Yeah. So that trust is lost and chief is uh, at first unwilling to give an AI that much trust again for fear that the same thing will happen. I think it's that and 
It's not Cortana. Well, yeah. It's a dual effect, more or less, if that makes sense. But yeah, not trusting the weapon or trying to keep the weapon at a distance so he doesn't let emotions play into the decisions he needs to make. We we see a very emotional and personal chief that has that was developed through Halo 3, 4, and 5 turn back to a very stoic chief. Mm-hmm. Back to basics. Back to the core of his training of how he's supposed to be a soldier. That exchange was interesting. Then we land and the over... Well, don't really land. Chief jumps. Yeah, Chief jumps again. out. Basically, Bandit starts shooting. Why do you always have to jump? <laughs> anyway. Bandit's shooting at us. Chief's like, put us down here. Pilot's like, you sure? He's like, yep. It's like, okay. And then we've got our first fob smack dead right in front of us. They, they, with how much open world this game is, they actually did a pretty good job laying out the path that you needed to take to mm-hmm. hit all the main story beats. Yeah. And for this first island, we've got Ransom Keep. We've got the tower, which is where the distress signal is that they detected. We've got two different fobs to go through. I mean, they pretty much place everything there where any player that's just kind of playing through the game normally and going through the prompts would hit the fob. Then some people would probably go to Ransom Keep. Some people would probably go straight to the tower. But Well, I mean, they give you, they give you the option to play the game the way you want to without introducing excessive travel. Like, you know, they want you to clear a fob, so they basically drop one right, you know, they drop you with one right in front of you. So you don't really have to divert from your path to clear it. You don't necessarily have to clear it out if you don't want to, but for the average player who's just playing through the campaign, it's a heavy suggestion of, here's the next thing you need to do, it's right in front of you. Well, with this first fob, there's also a little bit more story that comes with it. So if you don't capture that fob, you don't get that piece of story. Does that happen if you like went to fob Foxtrot and unlocked that it, one first? It doesn't matter which fob. Yeah, it's it just the first one you do. you do. Right. The game heavily suggests certain pieces you stopped at first. Mm-hmm. And then there's ransom. I mean, even when you're even when you're passing by Ransom Keep, there's a lot of story elements that are told to you as you go by. Mm-hmm. And with it being right there after you capture Fob Golf, it's basically an invitation to the player to go there. Mm-hmm. And that's why I did my first run through. I, I went there. Me too. And because I thought it was part of the story. Turns out it wasn't. But, you know, there is some story there. I mean, it plays in overall to what's going on. All the other right. main <clears throat> or like the main side quest things, all these different outposts mm-hmm. that the bandits have stood up. Like for Ransom Keep, it was a uh, scrap facility. They were tearing down UNSC equipment to repair their own equipment and to mm-hmm. build build new equipment. Yeah, new equipment. And we we get the first kind of hints at the dig site piece from. Ransom Keep. So mm-hmm. if you if you went to the tower first, you don't have this little tidbit, but if you go to Ransom Keep, court or the weapon, 
looks tells you that it looks like they're tearing down UNSC scrap to repair something. So mm-hmm. it's that hint of like everything is laid out in such a way where the hints are definitely there if you want to go sidetrack and mm-hmm. and explore instead of just going down the main pathway. So they did a very good job with making sure all the side quest stuff in the anticipated order in which you would do them contributes to the mainline story. Yes. So I did Ransom Keep first. The Invisible Elite got me a couple of times on, on yeah. my first few run-throughs. But I thought the the silos and having to destroy those was kind of interesting. And then you, like each different outpost had different things to interact with. Yeah. Different things that you need to do to clear out the outpost or shut it down. So the different variety of ways they introduced that, I think, was pretty pretty cool throughout all of them. And the Ransom Keep was a nice little introduction as far as your objectives that you need to do as a first step. Here's your secondary objectives. Mm-hmm. Here's your final objective. Here's different interactive elements to look out for when it, whenever you're at these outposts. So it was a good starting place. It was a nice tutorial. Yeah. It just happened to be part of the campaign. Exactly. And if you went there first, you got a nice scorpion to roll into the tower with. Mm-hmm. So that, that was helpful. Yeah. I did go down to the to rescue the fire team that was all the way down south before I went up to the tower <laughs> on my first run through. So I did fob golf, then I went to Ransom Keep. Then I ran around down to, I think it was the first Marine group is Charlie, I think. Did that, jumped up over the rocks, went to the the one that, that was at the bottom and rescued them, then came all the way back around to get um, Urkro Vagadoon for the mm-hmm. high-value target for the, yeah. the person that the bandits value highly. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was a little bit of a did you really have to stretch it that way? You couldn't have just said HVT? Sure, why not? Sure. You know, they gotta make it feel bigger than it is. Oh. I can yeah, only describe it as like the bandage it. value highly. Yeah. Well, I mean it is an AI. Yeah. Gotta be dramatic. I mean I figure HVT is pretty standard military term, so that would be yeah. in the typical, I think, military AI vernacular, but that's just, it's a totally minor point. Anyways, the. So after all that, we head for the tower. The tower. Aptly named, by the way, because it is a tower. Yes, it is a tower. And, you know, honestly, the, you know, entering the tower, it was a good fight. It was, you had to pay attention. It was, I, I think the fight was very well done. And there are so many ways you could get into the tower, too. Uh-huh. And so many places you could fight from. Yeah. Basically, aside from the cliff into the abyss, you could grapple your way up. You could go through an underground tunnel. You could come in straight from the front door with the tank. There's a side door on the north side of the tower. You could hop mm-hmm. up on one of the legs and drop in. There were so many different ways that you could approach the tower. Yeah, it was... I, I really like the way they did that. They did a, r- a lot of really cool things with this campaign as far as encounters. Like, and, and I think the open world really 
fostered that in the campaign. If we didn't have that, mm-hmm. if it was a lot more of a rail shooter, you'd be, okay, maybe you have one or two or three ways to get into an area. But with this, there are so many different possibilities as far as what weapons you could be picked up, depending on what side quest you did before getting to the mm-hmm. tower. If you rolled them with the tank, if you rolled them with the warthog, if you had rocket launcher or sniper or the energy sword from the HVT, if you went to the side channel, there there's a lot of ways to make that entrance into the tower unique. And then obviously mm-hmm. once you get into the tower, it's a, a climb up. Yeah, they funnel you down to one path. Which is fine. Which is fine. I mean, it fits with the, the level. And, you know, there's a lot of nice little story elements it, during the fight that, of course, the weapon informs you on. Yep. Uh, as well as Chacklock. Yeah. The boss for the tower. The Chacklock was done very well also. Yep. I mean, really, uh, mo- most all the bosses were done really well as far as their dialogue, the difference in fighting style. The um, motives, the appearance, right? The acting. I mean, all all of the bosses in the game to me felt very threatening. Yeah, and you know, when once you get to the top of this tower, and you see Chucklock for the first time, you see this thing, and it's like, oh my god, he is huge mm-hmm. compared to you. It. Is not the same as other elites from other games. No, I, I up until that point, there's something about I the had how never, they're how they're designed in this game. You're you're absolutely right. Up until that point, I really never appreciated felt threatened by an elite. I mean, I was threatened because they would annihilate me, especially on higher difficulties. But that was just their lethality. Yeah. The visuals of an elite have never made me felt feel threatened by this character. And when Chacklock swings in, it's like, oh my god, I gotta fight him. Mm-hmm. You think you can enter in my tower? My tower. Yeah. Just the teasing back and forth where you try to get to the lift and then Chacklock shows up and is taunting you. Then there's the lockdown sequence, and then you have to fight your way to get the lift back up. And then as you're mm-hmm. inside trying to get up, he's taunting you like this is a place to not come willingly, and you will die here. And I wish that you could be alive long enough for me to learn your secrets and blah, 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 blah. So all this time, it's just that impending doom feeling that you're getting from this I mean, you really do get the feeling that this is a house of torture. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is not a place normal people want to be. Nope. Ever. Nope. Yeah, such a great job. And the and the fight with Chacklock, it was it was fun. Yeah, it was frustrating to like for the first time going across it to have to switch back and forth between the well, <laughs> armor abilities. I mean, yeah, you, but. Yeah, it you was, had to come up with a different fighting style than you've used up until this mm-hmm. point, and that you've really used in any Halo. And they laid out all the armor abilities in just the right time for you to use them effectively against a specific fight. Against right, 
you know, each armor ability that you, that they give you, it's intended to be used in the boss fight in one way or another. Mm -hmm. And then by the time, you know, as you get further and further up, you, you know, you're supposed to be using, they intend you to use most of your armor abilities to do the fights. You develop a strategy. Do you have to? Yeah. Do you have to? No. I mean, you can, you can do the fights without switching back and forth between armor abilities, but they do make, they can make the fight easier. Mm -hmm. Yep. But yeah, the threat sensor kind of showing that off, having the weapon tell you how to use it and how to find the, uh, to find Shacklock as he was cloaked through the entire fight. Mm Mm-hmm. And then having all the coils around to to throw at them, all the extra weapons that you need. Uh, overall, it was it was pretty well done. Yeah. So the yeah, I never felt that ammo was a problem in the fights. No, it was always finding the right movement mechanic versus equipment uh, versus the equipped weapon was the challenge. I mean, you had to find the right balance between what you what you had available uh, to, you know, do the fights. I, th- <sighs> yeah, I think having the right weapon always helps. Well, yeah, I'm I'm like, they give you the option, they leave options there for multiple fight styles using different weapons. You know. You always, of course, you have always have the weapons you bring with you, but there's always all the weapons that are dropped as you approach Checklock. So it's, uh, there's multiple ways you can fight the boss. Granted, there's ways that are more effective than others, but yeah, I, I liked it. I think for most Halo games and probably just most video games in general, Developers will put or su- suggest weapons for a fight in front of mm-hmm. the boss that you're about to fight. And you had that going all the way up the tower. There were plenty of different weapons that you could pick up from bulldogs to BRs to plasma rifles, mm-hmm. uh, needlers. So there were definitely suggestions. And then using all the coils that were around, there were enough coils to sink a battleship in, in the tower. But, and then you just whip out the tank gun and shoot him twice, and he's dead. Well, if you got the tank gun, yes. Um, <laughs> for those that didn't know about the tank gun for our first run through, we had to actually either you use the dualist energy sword that you grabbed from the HVT from Okro, or you use a combination of plasma or shock weapon and uh, projectile. Projectile helped when shields were down, and plasma and shock helped when shields were up. Yeah. I think I actually, see, I think I originally, I fought him with a needler and a mangler. I think I probably did the plasma rifle or plasma pre, I forget which actual plasma blank name it is, and the BR or the bulldog. I'm guessing it was probably the plasma rifle than the BR. Yeah. That probably would have been my go-to. 
Needless to say, my first fight with Chaclock did not go very well. <laughs> it took me a little bit to figure out the whole switching of armor abilities and learning the button combos to use it effectively along with grappling mm-hmm. away whenever he got too close. But it it probably took me maybe two or three minutes to figure out on my first run through how to manage that fight with using the fusion coils, the threat sensor, and the weapon refills around the room. Mm-hmm. And it certainly helped set you up for, okay, these are this is about the cadence of what you can expect for other boss battles. Sure, each one's going to be a little different in your approach, but you get the general concept of you're in an enclosed space, you have limited resources, you need to kind of mentally prepare for a a fight. What you're gonna Yeah, you have a limited area you can fight in mm-hmm. and you have to use what's there. Yep. The one that really caught me by surprise though was the one at the drill, which we'll get to in our next discussion. Mm-hmm. That one caught me off guard the first time. Me too. Which is good. I wasn't expecting it. That was that was a really well done one. Um but yeah, after t- defeating Chaclock, we well actually before that we see Spartan Hudson Griffin's armor, and that's where we picked up the threat sensor, right when we lifted mm-hmm. up into the tower. And then we've got, we rescue, well, we attempt to rescue him. And I just noticed this when playing through it yesterday. But if you have vibration on your controller turned on, it actually vibrates to his heartbeat, and the heartbeat slowly fades and grows shorter or longer and longer and longer and dimmer and dimmer until he passes out. I thought that was just an interesting little touch mm-hmm. to things. But we learned about the, the drill. He asked about the other Spartans. It's kind of a emotional... You, you see Chief has a hard time processing everything that's going on. Or like he's just standing there and trying to process everything as he's getting radioed from Echo 216 and the, yeah, the pilot. And when... Cor- the weapon's trying to interrupt him to say, hey, what's going on? Uh, dig side on the ring. Yada, yada, yada. And then at some point, Chief just says, we need to go. And then continues to ignore the pilot. So that pretty much covers the bottom island. If you do all the side quest stuff before you actually have access to other parts of the ring. Lots of collectibles throughout. There's two skulls in this area. There's the Skull at the top of the tower with the mm-hmm. with the Craig Easter egg. Yes. Which is... Long live Craig. I'm, I'm glad they kept it in there. Because that was a, a just a nice nod to the community. I mean, honestly, with all the traction it got, I, I would have been surprised if it wasn't there. Right. Yeah. So we got that skull. We got that Easter egg. I don't know if there are any other Easter eggs in this part of the ring. Yeah, there's an Easter egg on Outpost Tremonius. There is? Oh, well, no, that doesn't mm-hmm. unlock till later, though. Mm-mm. It unlocks when you when you open, when you walk out, you can walk around to the back of the building and look at that Easter egg. Whenever I've done it, it's... You just have to... When, whenever I've done it, it's not... Do you have to activate the cutscene first and then it's unlocked? Because whenever I've gone back there... The Easter egg is not there. Hmm. 
I don't know. I went back there and it was there. I thought it was only there after you actually unlocked that island proper. But maybe I was doing something wrong. But yes, there is a an east. Maybe, maybe I don't remember if I. Maybe I cleared the outpost first before I went back there. Okay, so you probably called down the anyway. pilot, and then you still have the the option to walk around before you actually got onto the pelican. Yeah, I don't remember exactly where it was. I thought I went back and looked at it right after I exited, but maybe not. Okay. Yeah, because I I thought about. I think I've done that a couple times where like I've gone out, tried to go back and find that Easter egg with the the retro Halo arcade cabinet. That's the Easter egg we're talking about. But yeah, I the only time I remember being able to unlock that was after unlocking that island after you defeat Chacklock yeah. in the tower. But it very well could be just after you clear out the landing pad and and everything. Well, regardless, it's still there. I mean the turret Easter egg currently doesn't work until they bring that back in. So the whole hitting the buttons because they moved the turret, the tank turret, that Easter egg doesn't actually work currently. So that might be another reason why they're adding it back in is because they could be realized that, Oh, this broke this Easter egg that we wanted to keep in there. Let's just add it back uh-huh. and say, Hey, we're giving it back to you. Maybe. I mean, honestly, all they had to do was toggle the weapon to where it couldn't be picked up. They didn't have to remove it. Yeah. Just edit, edit, edit the just asset tag. Yeah. Yeah, just, he could have said, yeah, no, players cannot pick up this weapon. They probably did a quick fix of, oh, we're just going to do this and just, yeah. Yeah. There's probably some scripting in there where it's like, okay, fire this weapon. So it probably equips an AI to the weapon. And then because you can't equip it, the AI is like, Okay, can't do anything. Thanks. That's just a hunch. Uh, given yeah, programming background and whatnot. Anything else to touch on this section of the ring? Not really. I mean, it's there's it's actually kind of light on story. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's story there, but it, it hadn't really gotten that interesting yet. Yeah. It picks up pace later. It puts down a lot of breadcrumbs that we don't pick up on until later in the game. Like mm-hmm. the Silex with the Harbinger, the dig yeah. site, which we get to when we mm-hmm. actually get when we actually get there in the next section. It's really just the open world tutorial part with Ransom Keep, with all of the distress signals, the fobs, which mm-hmm. makes sense. Because the next the Which, next two islands you know, are initially we're gonna have to break up into pieces. Yeah. The my initial reaction to the beginning of the game was not very high. It was enjoyable, but for somebody that's played all the games, it left a lot to be desired until I played the entire campaign. Then the beginning made sense. Mm-hmm. And it made sense that they really were trying to make this campaign friendly to new people and which in a, in a, in a way they really do have to kind of reintroduce all these characters. Yep. And they need to teach you how to play the game. So I, you know, after playing through the whole game, I, I really did. I really do enjoy the first levels. now. It all builds up and, they did a very good job of laying everything out, laying 
building blocks where they needed to to encapsulate this story. And mm-hmm. I felt like it really continued on the story of Halo Wars 2 and Halo 5 together. It brought mm-hmm. both stories together into a new unified experience in the games. I'm hopeful for what we'll see in the narrative season for multiplayer and whatever DLC comes down with the campaign because they already kind of hinted at DLC with where Chief came out on the other side of the ring and Mm -hmm. they're obviously driving story in the multiplayer space and I think aside from fractures these little two-week events in multiplayer it seems like that's where they're going to really drive more of the narrative bits like they're almost trying to take well it's it's not a fair comparison but it's the closest comparison we've got in the halo franchise but spartan ops that continuing story of the campaign Mm -hmm. they're taking that from the multiplayer side of things it's disconnected in the way that from the first season captain latoya i forget what her name is it's an l uh, she basically says, Chief is missing, there's other Spartans missing, we need to be prepared for whatever comes our way. So while it's disconnected from, thank you, Lorette, thank you, Erykibu, while the story is disconnected, it's still in the same approximate timeline. We don't know if it's supposed to be alongside the timeline of the campaign, if it's supposed to be after or before. Is it in that six months between the Infinity getting attacked and the events of the campaign. And so we don't know where in the timeline that fits, but that's kind of what it seems like they're doing is that story, that narrative we're getting in the multiplayer aspect of the game does still tie in with the campaign. And I think that's cool. Yeah. The prospect of a banished AI is scary, really disconcerting. (laughs) Yeah. Cause so far coming to AI have been, pretty dumb well yeah they've been very basic very locked down programs and they probably captured some unsc ai and tormented it or reconstructed it or dissected the heck out of it to make their own ai yeah it'd be interesting to see how they explained banish creating their own ai well because banish go around and collect things and repurpose things for their own. Like I said, it'll be interesting to see how they kind of explain that. Whether it was a salvaged AI that they turned or, you know, they tortured until it gave up or if they just copied it and reconstructed it into this particular AI, you know, it just, there's a lot of ways they, they could take that and it'll be interesting to see how they explain that. Mm-hmm. Nerikibu pointed out the Lux Voluspa little Easter egg that we got during the season two live stream from 343. I don't, is that confirmed, Nerikibu, that it's this organization getting hacked? I mean, it makes sense, but I don't know if that's confirmed out there or not. If it is, I'd love to see where they confirm that. I, I don't think they've talked about that at all. I mean, you know, the nice thing, the one thing I did notice is they still kept the AI, it's different than AI that we're currently used to. 
and not just in its motivations. You see how it animates itself. Very basic. You know, the mouth. Yes. The mouth is either open or closed. Mm -hmm. You know, kind of like watching Japanese anime. Yep. It's very interesting. Yeah. Indeed it is. But that's all I got. Yep. Same. So thanks, people, for dropping on into the live stream. Thanks for folks listening to us and downloading us on podcasting services. You can find us across all different major platforms. Uh, Not Facebook anymore, though, because they're discontinuing their podcast services over there. But it was fun while it lasted over on Facebook. But we're on iTunes, Spotify, uh, Amazon Podcasts, all other major podcast platforms we are on. So you can listen to us uh, anywhere that you listen to podcasts. No, RQB, we're not on MySpace. Um, That doesn't say MySpace. But that's what he was going for. Anyways, uh, you can follow us on social medias, not MySpace. We've got Twitter, Instagram. Uh, We've had a particular Steam group for a while, which I just now put a short link in for uh, that. Pottagular.com slash Steam will take you to our Steam group. If you're playing Halo Infinite on Steam, then that's a way for us to connect. We're also starting to put game night announcements in there and some other announcements. Uh, Trying to get better on social media posts in general, because I know I've been lacking in that a little bit. So hopefully we'll get that up to snuff and back in place. You can support the podcast in a number of different ways. You can become a subscriber on Twitch. You can become a Patreon patron, or you can uh, donate to us directly if you want. Podtackler.com slash donate. Thanks to all of our patrons out there. We've got Confal, Pins, and Prestige all participating in uh, supporting us through Patreon. So thank you all for your continued patronage. We did make some updates recently. We reduced some uh, tier costs out there. So if you have been looking at supporting us on Patreon and some of the tiers were just too high, go over and take a look again. We've reshuffled around some of the perks and some of the cost of tiers. So if you're interested, go check it out. Otherwise, just sharing us on social media, sharing us with your friends who are looking for a Halo podcast uh, greatly helps and spreads the word. We've also got our game night coming up, like we said at the beginning of the podcast, tomorrow, 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. We have a poll in our Discord, podtackler.com slash Discord. That goes up uh, Friday around midday. That helps us determine what game we're going to be playing. Options are MCC, Halo 5, and Halo Infinite. So if you plan on attending and want to influence the game that we're going to be playing, make sure you go over and vote. You can also find us for the last time for Achieving Halo on this Sunday at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. After that, we will be changing the day of Achieving Halo from Sunday to either Monday or Tuesday. I will make an announcement on that on socials and in the Discord when we decide to uh, make that decision. Any final thoughts, GT, before we wrap up this installment of the podcast? No, brain's pretty fried. Okay, sounds good. Thanks, everyone, for listening on the downloads. Thank you, everyone, on Twitch for coming on over and watching us tonight. And until next time, keep on fragging them drugs. <laughs>